0: You're listening to the podcast for Asbury United Methodist Church. Join us every Sunday for worship at 830 or 1045. Find out more at asburybosier.org. You know, it's it's timely uh, today, and I'm blessed that my first sermon as an ordained deacon in full connection to the United Methodist Church is this. uh, Thank you. (laughs) Thank you on this Christ the King Sunday. You know, one of the many roles or characteristics, if you will, of a deacon, and I I have to explain my role quite often, I'm happy to do so. It is to identify the congregation's mission to the world and to lead the congregation to interpreting the needs, concerns, and hopes of the world. And in this lesson today, we're gonna talk a lot about that. You know, last week, David offered just such a great message Uh, we examine the vows that we make every Sunday to remind us of how our vows are meant to be taken into action. And David talked about how the power of God is limitless and that God speaks to us and we're able to listen, especially to those words that we proclaim every Sunday, just as we did to affirm our faith together. Words that prepare us, he said, for eternity. And so today I'm continuing his message in a way it wasn't planned as we celebrate Christ the King Sunday and what that looks like through Matthew's words today. So here are these words, Matthew 25, 31 through 46. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left. And then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you that are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger or in prison and visited you and the king will answer them truly i tell you just as you did it for one of the least of these who are a member of my family you did it to me and then he will say to those on his left hand you that are accursed, depart from me into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels for i was hungry and you gave me no food i was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink I was a stranger and you gave, you did not welcome me naked and you did not give me clothing, sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they will answer, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? And then he will answer them, truly I tell you, just as you did not do it for one of the least of these you did not do it to me. And those will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. This is the word of God for the people of God. You know, every year I visit the doctor, maybe you do too, Uh, I'm not usually ill thankfully when I go and visit the doctor it's usually just time for my annual checkup and so I have a complete physical examination in order for a team yes a team of medical professionals it takes a village to measure my wellness and so it's not an entirely comfortable experience and I confess that I really do often want to avoid it but health prevention is good. I encourage it. I'm a health professional, and so screenings and examinations, you know, they can save your life by catching things early. I always have at least one or two more health, you know, at about, well about three doctors a year, about maybe four. Uh, you know, I see I see my cardiologist once a year. I have I have heart issues in my family and so I go to get a good look at my cholesterol cholesterol levels my risk profile I have a stress test every so often I see my dermatologist a couple of times a year fair skin and freckles having had uh, cancers removed frequently already and you know sometimes they find things and and you go on for more tests and You take steps that you need to, to, in case anything comes up, to remove things, malignancies, cataracts. I just had cataract surgery myself. To regain your health and ensure long-term wellness. Either way, these checkups, they could save your life. So in many ways, this message from Matthew today, this depiction of the last judgment is like a wellness check. Its purpose is really not to condemn or scare, but to provide a snapshot of our overall health development, learning, and growth, that should lead us to new habits and ways of life. Our doctor wants us to flourish. He wants us to live well and as healthy as we can, and so does our Creator, our Redeemer, our Judge, and our King. I think these words are saying that God is not calling us to do extraordinary things. He's calling us to do ordinary things with extraordinary love. So today, uh, on the United Methodist Church calendar, which kind of defines our seasons and our days and colors and things like that, it's called a liturgical calendar. That just means public or, or public calendar. And today is Christ the King Sunday, and some call it Thanksgiving Sunday. Christ the King Sunday celebrates the full authority of Christ as King and Lord of the universe. It celebrates... And it's typically celebrated on this final day of, of what's called ordinary times. Yeah, we've had a large stretch of ordinary times, haven't we? <laughs> Liturgically, we have. It's been all green is what they call it, green the green time. But uh, now on this last day of ordinary times, it always comes the Sunday before we begin our Advent season, which is next Sunday, by the way. You know, we're always thankful, aren't we, all year long for the generous love of God in our lives. And so we do celebrate that today, especially in light of the fact that Advent will begin, like I said, next Sunday. There's no better day to talk about wellness, right? To consider our wellness just before we're going to overload ourselves with turkey and pie and dressing and mashed potatoes and those delicious rolls, right? And then dive onto the couch for that fantastic afternoon nap. No better day or opportunity to talk about how it is with our soul, to check our hearts today, and how we express our love for Christ, our King, in our daily lives as we prepare now for the coming of Christ. You know, there there's, were three parables. There's three parables in this particular uh, area and section of Matthew that lead up to this scripture today, the fig tree, the 10 young bridesmaids and the valuable coins. We've heard a few of those recently. And these are parables of warning as we've talked about demonstrating or saying that no one knows exactly when the day is going to come, the day that the son of man will return. Only God knows that. And they're encouraging, they're entreating us to be ready. And although the scriptures today are not a parable, really they're more of a narrative of the last judgment, the main thrust of it is really the same as the previous three parables. That is the call to do right at all times. We don't know what the day or the hour will be. And just a a little bit ahead of Matthew 25 and Matthew 24, 10 through 14, he discusses the troubles with humanity there. He lists them out before he begins teaching with the, the parables And he says that the problem is that growing hatred and cooling love are among the most dangerous cancers following, facing the followers of Christ. Distancing ourselves from others, allowing indifference to grow in us like a tumor, expecting that our actions have no real consequences or relying too heavily on past love and care of others are critical concerns. The image of the Son of Man one day separating sheeps and goats is really a diagnostic tool designed to inspire faithfulness, root out self-centered living, and help each of us measure who and where we are as we grow in the likeness of Christ. It's easy to read this passage and miss the gospel. And as we watch the sheep and the goats being separated for eternity, we may see and preach just a little more than what we might call just a humanitarian call to work on just for the undervalued members of society only. And then that kind of makes salvation understood as something that we achieve, something that we work for. Instead, these scriptures testify that salvation is something that we discover often when we least expect it. When you read down there in verses 37 through 39, the righteous were surprised to realize that they had cared for the king of creation. Evidently, they simply shared who they were, what they had freely, and without calculation or expectation. In verse 44, the unrighteous are shocked that they missed the opportunities to show love to the king. They had, that. had they known that God was in their midst, they would have done the right thing. Yet the king, Christ the king, is looking for, he's looking for a natural outflowing of our love. It's not a calculated effort designed to project a certain image. This is the kind of love Jesus has come to demonstrate and to share. Jesus said, what you do for the least of these, the sick, the hungry, the homeless, the imprisoned, you do it for me. So there's a lot of familiarity with these verses that we've read today. You've heard them again and again. But there's three profound truths in these verses. And the first one is the actual statement. It's a statement about God. The God of Jesus, the God of the Bible, is not a remote supreme being on a throne up there in the clouds or out there somewhere in the mysterious reaches of the universe. Jesus said, God is here in the messiness and uncertainty of human life. God is here particularly in your neighbor, the one who needs you. If you want, do you want to see the face of God? Look into the face of the one of the least of these, the vulnerable, the weak, the children. The second radical statement is about the practice of religion. You know, you can't uh, read the newspaper, well, read or hear, the news, and not be concerned about the role religion plays in the world. Terrible atrocities are committed by people shouting, God is great. And students of the Bible, and that's us, you and me here today, right now, will know or will learn today that the only account or the description of the last judgment in the Gospels is here, well, in the Gospels is in Matthew 25. Mark, Luke, and John have no words about that. There's, But there's nothing in this passage about religious or church connections. There's not a word in this passage about theology or customs or creeds or orthodoxies. There is only one criteria here, and that is whether or not you saw Jesus Christ in the face of the needy and whether or not you gave yourself away in love in his name. Third thing, most important thing about this subject, however, is it's not, it's not social, it's not political, it's not economic, it's not religious. It is personal. God wants not only a new world modeled on the values of Jesus, God wants us. He wants each of us. He's not a social engineer. He is a God of love who wants to, well, well, to use language of an old revival meeting, he wants to save our souls and redeem us and give us the gift of life, true, deep, authentic life. God wants to save us by touching our hearts with love. God wants to save us by persuading us to care and see other human beings who need us. God wants to save us from obsessing about ourselves, our own needs by persuading us to forget about ourselves and worry about others. That is God's favorite project to teach you and me the fundamental lesson, the secret, the truth, that to love is to live. So this passage, it provides a wellness check and possibly even a warning to those living in unhealthy self-centered ways. Like measuring blood pressure, height, and weight, Matthew 25, 31 through 46 emphasis on freely sharing with strangers prisoners and all who are hungry thirsty naked and or sick is a key diagnostic tool to assess our righteousness our health now righteousness it's a it's kind of a big word it comes from the old testament it often defines a relationship between us and God or us and others and when we talk about God's righteousness it means more than just proper moral behavior it expresses God's saving actions to us Being righteous means that we are restored to a right relationship with God, that is through Christ, who entered the world, this broken world of human existence to bridge the gap, if you will. All may be made right with God through him and through Jesus. Now, Matthew's depiction of the last judgment ends with the notice that the righteous will be called to inherit eternal life. These are the merciful who are blessed, the people who hunger and thirst for righteousness that leads them to respond with compassion, the hunger and thirst for others. Jesus teaches that God's reign, the full revelation that we wait for, is characterized in the present, not by powerful works and miracles, but by deeds of love, of mercy, compassion, and especially towards those in need. Jesus' kingly ministry is to be reflected in his followers in our exercise of caring for others. If we cannot share freely or fully, or if we don't make ourselves available to do so, it's a good measure that our relationship with God and the world is not as healthy and whole as Jesus' triumph on the cross makes possible. Loving those from whom Jesus gave life, particularly those who are undervalued, is a primary expression of our love of God and our experience of God's love of us. So we don't like warnings so much. Maybe we don't even like wellness checks, maybe. They ask us to, after all, they do ask us to, and we've done a lot of this lately, they ask us to recalibrate our lives. However, we, do, we in doing so, we do it just provides us with a critical wellness overview that we are wise to tend to, particularly since matters of the heart, heart troubles, they really do. They plague us all. God wants to save our souls and redeem us and give us the gift of life. True, deep, authentic human life. He wants to save us by touching our hearts with love so we can be empowered to do the same. You've heard it said in John seven thirty-eight: whoever believes in me, rivers of living water will flow from them. He's not calling us to do extraordinary things. He's calling us to do ordinary things with extraordinary love in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit let us pray god father of the poor your son jesus was born among us poor humble and dependent open our eyes and our hearts and our hands to honor him now as our lord and our king by welcoming him in those who are hungry and thirsty and all who are abandoned and lonely in refugees in the poor and in the sick Let our love become free and spontaneous like the tenderness you have shown us in your son. Father, your church awaits the day when the son of man will come in his glory and the angels with him and he will sit on his royal throne and until that day we will be received as your blessed people. Keep us safe in your care. Make us merciful serving your son now as he comes to us and to those in need. We ask this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.